The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. Be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. We'll see today the consequence of not trusting and obeying. And uh, we'll maybe learn some lessons from this. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Our Lord and our God, we give you thanks, we give you praise for another day. Another opportunity, Lord, that we may come into your house to fellowship with one another, to honor you in song, and to preach word, Lord. We thank you for everyone that is here today, those who could not be here today, dear God. May our words, our thoughts, our very lives edify and glorify you in all we think, say, and do. Now, Lord, let me diminish that you may increase. You may be heard above all things, Lord God, that your love, your grace may come forth, and that everyone here may know that you are God. You're alive, and you're living, and you're loving, and you're gracious, and you're merciful, and you're kind. Thank you now for this hour. Bless, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We have been in uh, the book of Joshua for the last several weeks, and our topic has been into the promised land, and today's topic is sin in the camp, defeat at Ai, sin in the camp, defeat at Ai. We'll see that Israel, flushed from victory at the Battle of Jericho, now tasked with taking over a little town called Ai, forgot that it was not by their power, by their might, that they conquered Jericho. A miraculous uh, victory that God won for them. And we'll see also in today's message, just as one woman's faith saved her household, Rahab, one man's sin, disobedience, doomed his household and brought God's judgment on the whole nation of Israel. Let's turn to Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. And there are four lessons I'd like us to see today from this message, this passage. We'll see that the... Joshua speaking, but the children of Israel committed a trespass against regarding the curse of things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon, on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. You see on the map, there's a map. And Ai is right there, little town right above Jericho. Now this is strategic because in the conquest of the promised land, the strategy was to divide, to take control of the center. Therefore, they can mount battles here and battles here so these nations could not join together to fight against Israel. So to conquer the middle. I'm a chess player, so I play chess. Any chess players here? So you know that you got to get to the center, the pawn to control. He who controls the center has a chance of winning the game. All right. So, so that was the strategy. Now, uh, as we'll see here, the men returned, verse 3, to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up. Just, just let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. 
do not weary all the people. Well, the people of Ai are few. You could just hear them. We got this. <laughs> we conquered Jericho. I mean, Ai is nothing. Let's not weary all the people. So about 3,000 men went up there from the people. Now Joshua was complicit in this. He is the commander. He listened to his men. But they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men. For they chased them from before the gate as far as Shebarim. And struck them down. They killed them on the descent. Therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. But was it not the people of Jericho whose heart melted before Israel? Now Israel's heart is melted before the people. Why is that? We'll see four things from this message. Number one, the cause of sin in the camp. Number two, the consequence of sin in the camp. Number three, the confession of sin in the camp. Number four, the cure for sin in the camp. Let's look at the cause of sin in the camp. Now, if you remember, in verse 1, we see the children of Israel committed the trespass. They sinned regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. So one man sinned, but God's anger burned against the entire nation. Now, we need to know that Achan's name means trouble. Imagine that, being named trouble. That's what his name means. So we see that he did not get the memo, maybe. Maybe it is that we can cut Achan a little bit of slack. There are 40,000 men. There was no internet. There's no cable television. There's no email. There's no instant messaging. So maybe Achan didn't get the memo. You know, there was no bullhorns back then. 40,000 men. How could everyone have heard the message that God said? Let's go back to chapter 6. Before the battle was fought. Before Joshua sent them into the battle. Now the city shall be doomed, Joshua speaking, by the Lord to destruction. It and all who are in it, only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all who are with her in her house. Because she hid the messengers that we sent. Remember Rahab by faith, trust in the God of Israel, and she was saved. She and her household were saved. Now, verse 18, Joshua speaking, And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things. Though you be tempted, do not touch or take anything. By all means, abstain, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things. And make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. Verse 19. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So you see, God told them. They were all told not to do this. But you can see Achan in the camp. They've been in the wilderness 40 years eating manna from heaven every day. He was sick and tired of manna. He saw this beautiful thing, the gold and shekels. He wanted some of that for himself. Now I can begin to live. So we'll see in verse 21 where he says, When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 
200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted and I took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. Now, let's go back. I said maybe we can cut Achan some slack. But he knew what he was doing was wrong. Why would he have hidden in this tent if he didn't know it was wrong? Amen? So somehow Achan knew it was wrong to take the accursed things. So we'll see five things, the cause of the sin in the camp. Now Jericho, we'll see these two little, Jericho and Ai represented two things. Jericho represented the world with all of its lust and passions and sin and idolatry. See, Jericho is known for gross sexual immorality, the Amorites, but also for idolatry. They were not irreligious, but they're idolaters. They did not worship the one true God, but Rahab did, and she was saved. Ai represented the flesh, the flesh. Well, we conquered Jericho. Well, now we can conquer Ai. It's a small nation. We don't need God. <laughs> we can do this. But in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, it's not on, not on your slides. I'm going to read this. The Apostle John said, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the love of the Father, the lust of the world is, number one, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and three, the pride of life. That's what, that's what John says. Now, let's see how Achan exemplified these things. So, we see number one. Achan said, I saw. I saw these things. Number two, he said, I coveted these things. So, I saw, which is a physical act. I coveted, which is a mental act. And number three, I took volitional free will. Of his own will, he took. He knew the command, but disobeyed the command. Therefore, he sinned. We see that, number four, Achan succumbed to temptation. Now, it's important to there is no, it's not sin to be tempted. It is not a sin to be tempted. It's only a sin to give into temptation. Amen? Number five, Achan disobeyed God's command. That was the cause of the sin in the camp. However, not only Achan sinned, but Joshua also sinned. Because Joshua did not consult God for the battle strategy for Ai. We see in Achan that the apple does not fall far from the tree. We saw what happened in the garden. Let's go to Genesis first chapter, chapter 3, verse 6. So when the woman, Eve, our grandmother, saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband Adam with her, and he ate. So you see the apple doesn't fall from the tree. Fall from the tree. Amen. Now we'll see the consequence of sin in the camp. You see, sin has a consequence. Disobedience has a consequence. And the ultimate consequence is death. Now we talk about death a lot, but we have to also talk about the hope that's in Christ. You see, when believers die, it's a graduation, it's a promotion. Amen? We're promoted to life, an unbelievable life that we cannot even imagine how good it will be. But for the unbeliever, when he dies or she dies, it's a demotion. That's an eternal demotion. So when we stand before you preaching the gospel, we're inviting you to come to Christ. God has given us his son. He's come to Christ of your own free will. He desires us to be with him. There's a consequence to sin. 
verse, chapter 7, verse 2 to 3. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside beth Aven, on the east side of Bethel. Here's the conflict. And spoke to them, saying, Go up, spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up, but about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not worry all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about 3,000 men went up from there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. They fled before their enemies, this little nation. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. It's important to note that not one soldier was lost in the battle of Jericho. A bigger battle. Not one soldier was lost. Because they obeyed God explicitly and completely in that battle. God gave them the battle plan and the strategy and the victory before a shot was ever fired. But in the battle of Ai, Joshua did not consult God for the battle plan. Trusted in himself. And don't we do that today ourselves? We have decisions to make in our lives. Who to marry, where to live, what job to take, if to have children. Don't we do the same thing in our lives? We don't consult God and then we make a mess. We pray to God, God, please clean up my mess. <laughs> We've all done it. I've done it. <laughs> but we need to learn at some point, we need to consult God in everything. When you live a surrendered life, God is the all in all. He is not an afterthought. These are all in all. We consult him through prayer in every situation. There's nothing too small, nothing too big we can bring before the Lord. Amen? Now, I'm going to show you a few, two things, two points. This is from the Word of God. There, there, there's the blessings on obedience to God's Word. There's a blessing on obedience to God's Word. God spoke through Moses and told Joshua, the children of Israel, what would happen to them if they obeyed his commands he also told them what would happen if they disobeyed his commands. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1 to 2. Now, if you, I encourage you to read the entire chapter because I couldn't list all the blessings here. I just took a few. But you can read the entire chapter for yourself. Verse 1, now it shall come to pass, it shall surely happen, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you and choke you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Verse 3, blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Verse 4, blessed shall be the fruit of your body, you shall be fruitful and multiply, the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, increase of your cattle and the offering of your flocks. That's what God's saying. If you obey me, I'll bless you. Now, look at the curses of disobedience to God's word. Same book, same chapter. Verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city. Cursed shall you be in the country. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. And you shall become troublesome to all the kingdoms of the earth. You see, God has set apart Israel to be a nation unto the world. 
Israel was a prototype nation. God, if they followed God, he would bless them. All the other nations would be jealous and want to be like Israel. That was the plan. So, after this great defeat, back to chapter 7, verse 6 and 7. So, then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads, sign of grief. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? Wait a minute. Doesn't this sound familiar? When God delivered them out of Egypt, they're in the wilderness, and they were hungry, and they were murmuring, and they're complaining to Mo- about Moses. We should stay back in Egypt, but there was potatoes and leeks. Here we're hungry, eating just, what, we're going to die in this, 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 this desert here. Why'd you bring us out here? So look at what Joshua's saying, the same thing. Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say? When Israel turns us back before its enemies, for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it, that this little nation defeated mighty Israel and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? Wait a minute. God didn't sin. Joshua sinned. I like what God says here. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. (laughs) Get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things which I commanded them, and have both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, verse 12, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they have become doomed to destruction. Because of one man's disobedience, because of one man's sin. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the cursed things from among you. You got to deal with this, Joshua. Deal with this sin in the camp. You know, in our church, all churches, there's sin in the churches. There's not, there's sin in the camp. Now, sin could be gossip, it could be backbiting, it could be unloving wickedness. It could, there's sin in, the, in our camp as well, is there not? But we have to guard against that. So now, Joshua speaking. Chapter 7, verse 13, get up, sanctify, set apart the people and say, God speaking, sanctify yourself for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. You must deal with this sin. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to families, and the family which the Lord takes shall come by households. And the household which the Lord takes shall come man by man. You see, God knew who had sinned. God knew exactly who had sinned, when he had sinned, and what he had done. But all Israel had to see this and participate in this. This could not be a secret judgment. It had to be a public judgment to show how God deals with sin in the camp. Verse 15. Then it shall be that he who is taken, he who is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire. He and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. You see, there was a battle to be fought, nations to be conquered, inheritance to be received, an army to go forth, a righteous army. God cannot afford to have sin in the camp. 
everyone must be on the same page. So while God showed great mercy and grace to Rahab and her household, Achan's household he destroyed because of one man's sin. Now, we may say, well, why, why would God destroy Achan and his household? Well, because in disobeying God's word, he sinned against God. He showed a lack of faith in God. He showed a lack of trust in God. He demonstrated disrespect for God and his word. Rahab, on the other hand, had respect for God, the God of Israel. And by her faith, she was saved. By Achan disobedience, he was destroyed. We see now point number three, the confession of sin in the camp. Verse 16. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. He brought the clan of Judah, and he took the family of the Zarites. And he brought the family of the Zagrites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. Then he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Now Joshua said to Achan, see, this is a public spectacle. Everyone is there. Everyone saw that Achan, this is the guy that caused us to lose 36 men in our battle. This is the guy. Because of this guy, God is angry with all of us. Now Joshua said to Achan, my son, listen to the tenderness of this. My son, my son, my son, I beg you, give glory to the God, Lord God of Israel and make confession to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Notice again how tender Joshua is to Achan. And Achan answered Joshua and said, indeed I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils of a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. He confessed. You would think that God would have forgiven him because he confessed. But God had to deal with this sin in the camp. So what if God had allowed him to live and go on Others may get the idea, well, if it can get away with this, I guess so can I. Amen? And our children are watching us. Our children will do what they see us do. So we see that Achan's entire family was destroyed because God had to get rid of the cancer in the camp. When one gets cancer, you can't just put a band-aid on it. You've got to cut it out. Amen? So we see in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, in today's day and age, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins, us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the God, a God of grace, God of mercy. See, back then, they were under the law. Today, we're under grace. Amen? Does not mean that we can sin at will. But if we do sin, we can go to God and ask forgiveness. God speaking in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. God wants us to live and not die. He wants us to live abundantly and not die. Here's what God says through the prophet Isaiah. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. I stand ready to forgive you. Confess before me. Let it be known what you've done. 
and I'll forgive you. And we see that throughout Israel's history, God blessed her. She turned away from him. He, they cried out to him. He blessed them and saved them. They turned away again, and they cried out. And he, it's the same thing all over again, isn't it? But thank God for Jesus Christ. Because we know that in Jesus Christ, all of our sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven. As believers and brought by Jesus Christ, we, we don't want to sin. You see, Robert Zacharias, whom I love, says this. When you come to Christ, when you're indwelt by Jesus Christ, he not only changes what you do, but what you want to do. He not only changes what you do. I used to be a drinker, a drugger, a whoremonger, or whatever. He changed all that. Now, I, I don't want to do that anymore. He changed what you want to do. I mean, that's what Christ does for us. Number four, point number four, the cure for sin in the camp. The cure for sin in the camp. So we see the cause of sin in the camp. We see we saw the consequence of sin in the camp, death and destruction. We see the confession of sin in the camp. Now we see the cure for sin in the camp. Joshua chapter 27, verse 22. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent of, of Achan, and there it was, hidden in the tent with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. You see, God knew that Achan sinned. The evidence is right there. Even before it was present, God called it out. God knew it had to be brought for all the people, for them all to see. Now look at what happens. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them to the valley of Achor. Do you remember Rahab and all that she had was saved? and spared from God's judgment. But this man, his entire family, will be destroyed because of his sin. And you say, it's not fair. It's not fair that the sons, the daughters, the innocent animals should, should die because of this man's sin. But God takes sin seriously. God cannot abide with sin. In fact, when Jesus was on the cross, and God poured out his wrath upon him, and Jesus became sin for us, God took he turned away. The father turned away because he could not abide with that sin. We, our sin was on the cross. Our sin poured out on Jesus Christ. His father could not abide with that. So the father turned his back away. And Jesus said, my Lord, my Lord, why have you forsaken me? On the cross. On the cross, he spoke. Verse 25. And Joshua said, why have you troubled us, Achan? The Lord will trouble you this day. He's pronouncing judgment. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Verse 26. Then they raised over him a great heap of stones, still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger, because it was dealt, sin was dealt with. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. Now, why do you think there is a pile of stones upon Achan and all that he had. It was a memorial to what would happen to those who disobeyed God's word. God does not want to punish us. God does not want to destroy us. Look at what uh, he says in Ezekiel. Do I have any pleasure at all in the wicked that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? 
do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die? I do not have any pleasure wicked should die. God is not a God sitting up there looking who he's going to spite, who's going to punish and, and kill. He's not that way at all. Ezekiel chapter 33, he said, say, say to them, Ezekiel, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? God takes no pleasure in the death of anyone. That's why he sent his only begotten son on the, to die on the cross for us. Now, go to Romans chapter 5, verse 8 to 9. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. See, God's wrath abides on those who are unsaved. God's condemnation rests on those who are not yet in the kingdom of God. But he's always calling out to us, come to me, and I'll give you rest. Come to me, and I'll save you. Not only was there sin in the camp in the Old Testament, there was sin in the camp in the New Testament. <laughs> the other story of Ananias and Sapphira, you know them. So here's what it says in Acts chapter 5, verse 1 and 3. But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, Sapphira his wife, sold the possession. They had a piece of land, and they sold it. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it. They conspired together and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is Peter's feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. There are many of us who think we can fool God. Many of us are doing things that God sees. God sees all things. There's nothing hidden from his eye that he does not see. But he's a loving, forgiving God. We go to him and confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us. Amen? Then Ananias, hearing these words, how did he know? How did he, how did he know? How did he know what we conceived and conspired? Was he in our house? He fell down and breathed his last. He died. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Like Achan, who was buried because of his sin, Ananias, who lied to the Holy Spirit, was also, also died and was buried. Now it, about, it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened to her husband. Verse 8, and Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord your God? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. Wow. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. The young man came in and found her dead, carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church, upon all who heard these things. Do not mess with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> He is a God of love, he is holy, but he's also consuming fire. He does not want to smite us, he does not want to destroy, he wants us to live forever in bliss and paradise with him. You see, by one man's sin, Adam, death came into the world. Sickness, death, war, strife, anger, anxiety, dysfunction, 
corruption, drunkenness, addictions, all those things because of one man's sin. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, God sent to rescue a Savior. The cure for sin in the camp. What Achan had done was a cancer to the nation. Passover will be in about two weeks. In the Jewish culture, when Passover, they go through the whole house, they remove all the leaven. Amen? It's part of Jewish culture for Passover. They remove all the leaven and all the carpets in the house. No leaven. And the matzah bread is there to celebrate the Passover. Matzah is unleavened bread. Now, here the passage from Matthew talks about leaven. Now, when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That was the doctrine, the teaching of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. He said this. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O you of little faith, why do you reason among yourself because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand? Don't you get it, guys? Or remember the five loaves of the 5,000, how many baskets you took up? nor the seven loaves of the 4,000, and how many large baskets you took up? How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Now, are there any bakers in the house? Any bakers in the house? You know that, right? You need some leaven for the bread to what? Rise. A little leaven leavens the whole loaf. Amen? If you don't want leaven in the bread, don't put leaven in the bread. Leaven represents sin. Leaven represents sin. So Achan's sin in the camp, if it was not dealt with, would spread to the entire nation. God would not be with them anymore because God cannot deal with sin. God will not fight a battle with a sinful nation. God is looking for righteousness in his people, a righteous battle, because the battle is the Lord's. Amen? So God had to deal with the sin in the camp. So Achan represented sin and leaven had to be dealt with. And we, in our, to our 21st century mind, it's kind, of, it's kind of harsh that God would do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 to 8, Paul speaking. Your glory is not good, he said. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out, purge out, purge out the old leaven, that you may, not be in, that there may that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. You see, sin in the camp in a church is gossip. Sin in the camp in the church is unlovingness and wickedness and backbiting. And that's leaven in the church. Says Second Corinthians chapter 4. 5 verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Christ, who was sinless, became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. So let's look at five things in the cure for sin in the camp. I'll go by order. Number one, the cure for sin in the camp. Number one, faith and trust in Jesus Christ for one salvation. That's job number one. 
unless you are saved by faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're still outside the camp. You're not in the camp. And God's wrath still abides on you. Number two, the indwelling spirit of Jesus Christ. Unless he's in you, sanctifying, cleansing us, more unrighteousness, we're not one of his. Number three, love God. Keep his commandments. Love God. Keep his commandments. One day they asked Jesus, Master, what is the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Number four, love one another. Jesus said, they'll know you, my disciples, by the love you have one for another. They'll know you, my disciples, by the love you have one for another. Grace, do we love each other? Yes, we do. One thing people say when they come to grace is, that church is so loving. May we always have that quality of grace. May we always have the quality of love. People come here, they feel that love. I felt when I first came here. Dixie and Harold greeted me with love. I'll never forget that seven years ago. And when people come here, they feel the exact same love. Love one another. Number five. We must be faithful and obedient to keeping God's word. We must first know God's word by reading it, studying it, in order to keep God's word. Amen? The culture is pressing in on us, telling us to accept things that are an abomination to God. We must resist the culture. Grace, the children, when you're in school, they're telling you this, that, and the other. Know God's word. Listen to your parents. When you come to church, we teach, preach about Jesus and about salvation. This is serious business. Do not follow after the world. Because in the world, there's only death and destruction. But in Christ, there is life eternal. A life we can never imagine. A hope that we can never imagine. Hope for the future. Hope for today. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for your word today. I pray, Lord, that someone today has heard the gospel preached. If they're not in your kingdom, dear God, I pray that today will be the day they'll say, what must I do to be saved? Lord Jesus, you stand with your hands outstretched, wishing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance, all should come to salvation, because of what you've done on the cross 2,000 years ago. Now, Lord Jesus, nothing else remains to be done. You can come at any moment. And may it be, Lord, that everyone at Grace, every member, every visitor is saved, is in your kingdom, Lord. By the hearing of your word, by the believing in your word, and trusting in you, Lord Jesus, for our salvation. Thank you now for this great church body, Lord. Continue to be with us. Continue to bless us, Lord, and keep us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord's Supper. We are not partake of the Lord's Supper. But before that, this is my last message for a few weeks. Next week, we'll have our brother, Scott Descharm, who will bring us our word. Scott, raise your hand, Scott. And Cornet will preach after that. So I uh, gave a few weeks rest. <laughs> I have loved, I've, I've enjoyed this last few weeks. I've appreciated the fact that God chose to use a rookie like me, an imperfect man, to deliver his word. And I love you, Grace. I love you, Grace. I love you, Grace. I do so much. And I just uh, look forward to the future with excitement for what God will do in our church. Keep praying for us, the leaders. Keep praying for every family. Keep praying to God and trust that God was going to bring us the man who will have to lead us into the future. So grateful to all of you. All right. Where is the stool? All right. I guess I got to stand the stool. Anyway, I'll just stand. So now, um, we come now to the Lord's Supper.
The bear will come, and I will come down. As we prepare for the Lord's Supper, we invite everyone here to take a moment to be still before the Lord, to examine our hearts, to consider if there be anything in us that needs to be resolved before the Lord before we take partake of the table. The Lord's Supper, the communion, is for believers only. It is for those who have put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here today, you've not made that step of faith and been baptized on your confession of faith, then we ask you to abstain today until that time when you have confessed Christ as your Savior that have been baptized on your confession of faith. Interesting that in about two weeks, it will be Easter. Thank you, brother. Praise God for Rick. Amen. The Passover will be celebrated in about two weeks. Before our Lord Jesus was crucified, he instituted the Last Supper with his disciples. He inaugurated the first communion service as an ordinance to be observed by the church until he comes again. Now we know he'll come again. I hope you've seen from the last few weeks that what God said he will do, he will do. If you get nothing from these messages, know this. God will do what he said he will do. It shall come to pass that Christ will return to take us to be with him. Those who are in him. The rapture of the church. But until then, we are to remember what Christ did for us on the cross. He who was without sin, became sin for us. Took in himself the wrath of God, poured out upon him, his body, and paid the penalty for our sin. And the night before he was crucified, he met in the upper room with his disciples. Let's pray now for the community table. Father, we come to this table as your guest, resting only in the worthiness of your Son, Jesus Christ. As we look upon the emblems, the bread, the wine of our Savior's death, may we remember why he died, to cleanse and to heal, to satisfy your righteousness, and justice. We remember his eternal love and boundless grace. 
May we receive the assurance of forgiveness, eternal life, and the hope of glory. As the bread and cup nourish our bodies, so may your indwelling Holy Spirit strengthen our souls. Until the day of Christ's appearing, when we will hunger and thirst no more and sit with him at his heavenly table. Amen. Amen.